Really interesting ride we had this week as far as uh, my person goes. Um, I've been having migraines consistently for the last couple of weeks. I got over a flu-like sickness with a splash of pneumonia, um, but the headaches, it feels like somebody's constantly drilling for oil way deep down into my skull, followed by clamping it or you know pushing down on it very heavily. Been going through a lot of medicine. I hope I can overcome this because it's no fun waking up in the morning or any time or any movement when your head feels like there's a 9.8 Richter scale hurricane, tornado, earthquake brewing up in there. Uh, with that being said, on to a uh, lighter note. Uh, the Titans pulled it off, was very excited. They beat the New England Patriots at New England. Um, with uh, not for sure yet whether old Brady's gonna retire. I doubt he would. Uh, but it was cool to uh, see the Patriots squirm. They are the best of the best. Have kicked my beloved Tennessee Titans tail many times. And it was really exciting to see them uh, get one there. Uh, so very excited for them. Like I said, it wasn't a huge scoring game. But they played their hearts out. And as far as all the people, the negative haters, one point's as good as a thousand. Uh, when it comes to winning a football game. So go Titans. They have to go to Baltimore today to play the Ravens, another team that has uh, wholeheartedly kicked us around uh, through the years. Uh, and I've been a Titans fan since they were the Tennessee Oilers. Even had a Eddie George Oiler jersey, which uh, in hindsight didn't really make sense that we got them here because the only oil Derrick we had in Tennessee was in Memphis. Uh, it made sense we got the team, but they should have rerouted all of the name situation and everything before bringing them to us. But nonetheless, I've loved them the whole time and am pulling for them today as they go into Baltimore. Um, this will be published before um, before the game uh, tonight, or it'll be, it'll be uh, tomorrow. It'll be out. Uh, so I just want to say good luck, Titans, and I hope they bring home the victory. Uh, I'm going to, I try to keep uh, this podcast upbeat uh, as possible, or, or at least attempt to, but uh, sad news, and it really hurt my feelings um, to the point where I have a hard time talking about it without crying. I never met the man, but, um, but know a lot about him, and that's uh, Russia's drummer Neil Peart died uh, at 67. Uh, this week uh, had a cancer, I believe, in the brain and has went on to the other side and um, just uh, hurt my feelings. I know he's lived, he, he's 67, uh, but uh, still hurts your feelings when somebody you've loved who's brought so much joy and made things so much more tolerable with a gift of music, uh, not to be uh, mentioned the greatest drummer that ever lived, hands down, um, uh, has exited stage left, uh, so elegantly put. And, um, you know, God bless him. May peace and love be with his family because uh, I'm hurting just like they are. And uh, just, just thank you, Neil, for, for all the drumming, uh, all the happiness that you provided for me. Uh, you know, it was well worth it. You, uh, you definitely uh, served a purpose here on earth. You brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. And I hope, um, I hope that I get to uh, see you one day and tell you thank you on the other side. Uh, with that being said, uh, let's get on with this amazing podcast. Uh, we've got Big Smo, hip hop champion, hip hop royalty, the father 
of hiccup. That's a lot of hiccups. <laughs> uh, we've got Scooter Ward from the band Cold, which is uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. Very dark, heavy rock. Um, uh, he's the lead vocalist, puts his heart and soul in it. A little band out of Jacksonville, Florida that has done good. Uh, got to keep, catch up with him, got to interview and speak with him for the first time. What a thrill that was uh, to speak with him. And then we have got on the docket a comedian, Greg Hall, who I had the privilege of seeing at Zanies. Uh, he's a singer-songwriter, like a, like a Roger Miller-esque performer. Very funny, knows how to command an audience. And uh, just that's my kind of dude. Great to talk to. Looks like Jeff Bridges. Uh, super awesome interview. If you ever get a chance to catch him at uh, any of the comedy clubs because he plays all over, definitely want to see Greg. All right, I'm going to quit flapping my jowls and we'll get on with the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. Bada boom, here we go. On the podcast, we've got the king of the country, the boss of the sticks. The founder of Hick Hop, Middle Tennessee's very own Big Smo. And our conversation goes a little something like this. Enjoy. Big Smo, how you doing, man? Doing excellent. Doing absolutely great. Yeah, I've been keeping up with you. Got a lot of cool things going on. Uh, don't know where to begin. First of all, got got a, a new album. It's incredible. Got a book. Got your own podcast. I mean, uh, no, no slowing down for you, huh, 2020? No, no, they've got me uh, pretty busy, you know. I yeah. think the uh, the whole plan is to keep me occupied. I hear you. I hear you. It looks like you lost some weight, too, kind of bulking up muscle-wise anyway. You got any uh, exercise routines going on? Yeah, yeah, actually, uh, you know, we got a pretty healthy diet and a pretty active exercise routine. Nothing that, nothing by the books, but just uh, more or less healthier living. Well, that's good. Yeah, it shows, man. I was like, man, he is, he's trimming down all the right ways. That's awesome. Uh, y'all just got a Planet Fitness out there in Shelbyville, or not just got it. They're, they're accepting people for it, I think, is what they're doing. They're building it anyway. Yeah, we just, uh, I believe that they've got, uh, they've got one down there at the big, the old Big Spring Shopping Center. Um, anybody that's been around Shelbyville since the 80s. They'll know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> right, right on, right on. Shelbyville's a real good place. I like it. Um, so let's let's dig in first. Let's talk about this album. I, I really like the cover. What made you decide to put this picture of of a young Smo on there? Uh, well, you know, like um, it was asked if I would put my face on the cover of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know if it was a contractual thing, but it was brought to my attention. Uh, over at the uh, the record label Average Joe's uh, that they like to have the artist uh, face on the cover and mm-hmm. I don't really sell my image of my like it's not really about me or my face it's more about a lifestyle so I was wanted to tap into a time in my life where I was like un filtered and untarnished and you know kind of like the raw real smoke you know I hear you. like you know at three years old you can't find a truer uh realer rawer representation of yourself i believe you know before you're corrupted with um you know uh by your your parents or your yeah siblings or who you know whoever yeah. you're domesticated by pretty much uh, yeah 
So, you know, that was the reason why I put that, that on there. And, you know, it is the season for, you know, for haters. And it's hard to hate <laughs> on a two-year-old, you know. That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It's going to be hard for people to say, yeah, that album cover sucks. It's got that kid on it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's a good picture. Got that blonde hair. Like you said, it's it's before you get a true taste of the the real world. It's like, you know, it's back when everything was simple. And you, you look at people like at face value and don't judge them as much. It's, that's really what that was a good time, you know. About about yeah. three to about three to ten is when it's usually uh, right on the money as far as like easy breezy. <laughs> yeah, and it was that picture was taken by my mom when we lived in California at the uh, when my dad was still in the Navy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just when I see that picture, I, I wish that I could be that person uh, mentally. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, and, and the title of the album, this one's for you, uh, it was uh, this whole album was pretty much made with the fans in mind because I had been doing, you know, like, my last few projects uh, after I'd signed with Warner Brothers and then I got off that label were really me doing music for myself. And this album was more about putting something out for my fans. I guess. Well, I mean, every every album I've ever listened to that you've had has always been fan appealing. I mean, all the songs are catchy. I've never met one I didn't enjoy. Even my 60-year-old mother is a big Smo fan. I mean, you can't go wrong <laughs> listening to the, the boss of the sticks, my brother. But um, that brought me up to another question, which is, you know, I always wonder about artists like, when you're on a major label versus kind of indie or doing your own thing, is it more they – do they have a heavy influence on what you pick to record versus, um, like, if you're independent, you can do more of what you want to do? Is that usually how it works? It's not really what, like, they don't pick what you record, but you would turn in, like, like every time I turned in an album, I turned in, like, 30 songs. Yeah. And then based off of their thoughts, they would pick the 10 to 12 songs that would make up the album. Okay. So they they really didn't have any kind of like uh, say so in the creative process, but mm-hmm. more in the selection and then turning that into a project to where it could then be uh, marketed and promoted properly and released. You know, it, it's yeah. a business. You know, like the thing is, is like here's the difference: a major record label doesn't care about your artistic ideas; uh-huh. they care about which of these records can we sell to the fans that are buying music or can we appeal to a new fan base to expand the fan base? Like they have every, like a lot of stuff in mind, but what they don't have in mind is really the art. Mm-hmm. So that was like a big thing about being on a major label because, you know, I still had the freedom to be creative in my own way. But when it came to like how they put that together and put it out, they had a bigger uh, influence, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, it seemed like there for a while, like uh, record label and then um, uh, the TV show, which was awesome. I mean, get a sneak peek of your family. I feel like I got to know all you guys, you know, watching you on TV. Uh, that was a big fun time. It just seemed like everything was booming at once. It had to have been like a, like a, it was like a tornado because it's like all of a sudden it's like, you know, we appreciate you here in, in the South, and then you were everywhere there for a little bit, like everybody. It was like a household name, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, the the t- you know, the TV show was supposed to be 
uh, a big commercial to advertise the music and then to try to put more light on the genre and to help, you know, it grow and to live in a bigger space. And right. I think that it was, you know, it was successful in doing, doing that. Um, you know, the, the thing that I didn't know about the TV show is, you know, what kind of, what that would mean for me after the TV show. So like, you know, once the TV show, we decided not to do it anymore because we didn't want to, it's not something we signed up to do forever. You know, yeah. like we mm-hmm. just wanted to put something out there, expose it and kind of get out of the light because we watched it, we watched it happen with Duck Dynasty. And, you know, you see it happen with every, uh, especially reality show. Um, you know, you, you people really love it and then they get tired of it. And then whenever they get tired of it, then they hate it and they turn their back on it. And, you know, that's what we didn't want to happen. So we were able to get in and get out in a two season, 20 episode uh, deal and yeah. uh, do everything that we wanted to do, expose the music, uh, get millions of people's attention on the genre. And then, you know, look at what it's done for a lot of the, you know, a lot of the newcomers today. It's, opened up an entire lane where people are more accepted accepted of the you know the possibilities of of country rap yeah you definitely paved the way for them i hope they appreciate you because like right after that happened i mean we've got you know handfuls after handfuls some of them are pretty sharp too some of them it's like oh you know but for the most part it's uh it's like you said it's brought a broader spectrum and make people appreciate the, the art of it more, you know, that it's okay to be from the country and also enjoy rap music. It's not like a stigma. It's like, oh, we don't have to just stick to, like, bluegrass or just country. We can enjoy everything. So, that's, you know, that's kudos to you. Thank you for making that a possibility. So that was really great. So, <laughs> Yeah, it was an accomplishment. So, you yeah. know, but it was – these are all things that you don't know uh, what to expect. You know, we didn't know what to expect when – I signed with a major label. We didn't know what to expect when we said yes to a TV show. You know, we didn't, you never know. No, there's no blueprint to this and nobody uh, before me in my life, you know, came to me and said, this is what it's going to be like. This is what you have to do. We're just kind of like figuring it out as we go. So for some people that were just doing some guesswork, I feel like we did pretty good. Oh yeah. Yeah. The best way to do is fly (laughs) by the seat of your pants. I think it was all, uh, uh, well done and uh you know it, it for its time like you said in the end you know after two seasons it you know it's, it's leaving you wanting more versus you know just riding into the ground like you said like like a duck dynasty or something like that you know because you can't overdo anything really right yeah you know so i i left everybody and we one thing is for sure we left everybody wanting more the problem is is you know trying to figure out how to facilitate that hunger after the fact so Uh that's where we've then created you know uh snow on the go episodes on youtube snow knows with the podcast uh my life in a jar of course the audio the the autobiography and then now Uh the audiobook so you know it's just um trying to figure out how to expand the brand uh continue feeding the you know the, the fans with new music, new content, keeping them entertained, you know, and then keeping your eyes on the future for what you can do to, you know, continue to provide that same entertainment service that you have 
that we have now for over 20 going on, you know, over 20 years now. Um, and just continue to, to push it forward, you know? Yeah. Um, that was nothing I want to touch on and you brought it up, uh, uh, the podcast, which is, you know, like every, everybody's kind of uh, gravitating towards it now. Uh, what, what's the premises of yours? Uh, I got, I got a couple of episodes downloaded. I'm planning on listening to it, but, but what, like, uh, what, what do you do on your podcast particularly? Like what, what goes on in a session, uh, when you record one? Right now, it's just me and my, my wife that I do it with and not, I can clear up the, which, which wife, because it's not, so, not my first wife, not my second wife from the TV show, but my, now my <laughs> third wife. I hear you. Third time's uh, a charm, brother. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, it's uh, it's a crazy world we live in. But yeah. just, you know, because <laughs> a lot of people were exposed to my second wife on the TV show, uh, I do like to just be clear about it. It's not that girl. Um, oh, yeah. So me and my now wife, uh, we just, uh, it's called the Smoke Nose Podcast, but it's really just me talking about uh, anything that I've, feel like talking about and it's it's really been more of a an experience um experiment with experience as we go Mm -hmm. because it's whatever happens in our life this week is what our podcast is about next week it's almost like a reality podcast if you could imagine that you know like it's (laughs) it's like well this is it's like the audio book version of the reality show yeah you know, but but so, yeah, but but chapters continuous versus like where a book has to end. It just it, every every. So you're doing one a week. Um, we have we were doing two and three a week. All right, just, on. To get, just to get started because, as you know, like here's the thing: I they don't teach you how to do podcasts in school. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, doing sure. a podcast is something that you you teach yourself. You learn how to do. It takes time. You listen to yourself. You learn very quickly about what you don't like about your voice or about uh, things that you repeat. And then you try your best to address those in your next podcast. And then you listen to that. And then it's so it's like, you know, and then maybe you start off doing your podcast on your phone. And then maybe you upgrade to equipment so your quality gets better. So, like, one thing that I've learned is that podcasting is a very it evolves uh, mm-hmm. not only substantially but rapidly. You know, the podcast is always um, like becoming better and becoming uh, more fine tuned and more informative. Like every time me and uh, Sarah Beth do a podcast, we learn uh, a new thing about ourselves when it comes to talking and not just talking to hear ourselves talk or to talk to each other, but talking for an audience. Yeah. You know, and then you learn editing and then you learn, you know, releasing and all that. So it's been quite the educational experience because I've of course self-taught how to put my podcast together. And as I, you know, uh, as an example, we started out on our, using my iPhone to do our first maybe four or five episodes. And then I went and invested in the Rode uh, Podcaster Pro. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now we use it, which the quality is a substantially higher um, quality, you know. So 
you just podcast. I think podcast is really cool. I like it. Uh, it's easier to edit um, than video. So, you know, you can get a lot more done a lot quicker than, let's say, having to edit a 54 minute uh, video compilation or, yeah, you know, sure. like, Jesus, you know, like, I, <laughs> it's insane. I know from doing the episodes of Snow on the Go that, you know, that just a five, the seven minute episodic uh, content that takes a long time to film and edit and all that. So whereas with a podcast, you just go in, you sit down, you do it, and then you tag your front and your back. And, you know, if you got any notes that you need to take something out, you do that and you bounce it and then you're done. Yeah. And you got it down pat. I'm here. I'm here learning from you. I'm taking notes while you're talking. (laughs) Yeah. Hey man, you know, because this is where you get the blueprint from is from, you know, experience whether it's your own or from other people. So uh, I think podcasting is a really cool thing that, uh, that just gives, you know, there's a lot of uh, people that are digesting content on a daily basis. And you have to be able to feed that content very fast in order to stay relevant in their lives. And you, you either have to have one hell of film crew that can film, edit, turn around, release all that stuff. Or you have to be able to maintain content like a podcast that has quick turnaround. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you Absolutely. know, mine's just a, it's a reality podcast and it's whatever's yeah. going on in my life at the time or something from the past, or uh, we, we get on Instagram and, and we ask our fans like, Hey, what do you want tonight's podcast to be about? And then they'll throw a bunch of ideas at us and then we'll write it all down on the board and we'll throw uh, a suction cup dart at the board, and then we land close to something, and then there you go. Yeah, right on. That's all. You know, very organic. Yeah, and, and that's the best kind of like as far as <clears throat> what I listen to as far as podcasting. Uh, I like it because I'm a fan of entertainment, music, and, and everything, and you see all of the, uh, you know, the stuff that, you know, record companies or production wants you to see, but if you can hear somebody that you admire like, just be themselves that's when it's the best like you said the way you're talking that's the best way to be just just to say okay all the the flash <laughs> and the lights are off and it's just you yeah. like you said talking with your wife just being real that's that's what i i gravitate to and i think that's the best kind to listen to personally so that's awesome because yeah, we're sitting in a we're sitting in a hundred year old shack where i <laughs> recorded where i recorded vocals my entire you know, first uh, 12, 13 years of my career in the vocal yeah. booth. That's where we do our podcast from. So, like, just being in that like that small vocal booth has so much nostalgia to it, you know, that it, it's just, it's real, you know. So, and like you said, me being there with my wife, there's no faking it. There's no, you know, like, that bitch will throw me under the bus on anything <laughs> to keep it real, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I admire her for that. That's why she's my co-host because I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but you know, we, she also was the, uh, the editor on my autobiography. So there's nothing that she doesn't know about me either. You know, that's awesome. Let's, let's jump into autobiography. Did you, okay. I, I saw on Facebook where you said you just listened to it. Now, did you read it? Did you read it for the recording that everybody gets to listen to? Yeah, I read all of my parts, and then my wife read 
my mother and my kids' parts, and then her brother, who is a phenomenal reader and a school teacher, came in and read all of the male parts that weren't me. So it has some, like, you know, if it's me talking, then it's me telling the story. But the cool thing about my autobiography is that it's uh, it's other people talking. There's an entire there's an entire guest list of people that are in my my book because you're you're not only hearing my story from me, you're hearing it from the people that are in my life. So I don't even really start my book out. My mother starts my book out. I know. You know, That's so awesome. you hear you hear from my mother like how her and my dad met, and then how I was you know, a, a fucking, or excuse me, uh, how I was, how I was a, uh, a, a mistake that happened in Vegas. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's just, it's, and then you hear from like my best friend in, in grade school and my brother and people in high school and then people in the industry, you know, the industry that I was, that I worked with, uh, my, my ex manager, my, you know, one of my old booking agents, Old band members, uh, old drug dealers, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the whole, you know, John Rich did the forward, uh, cool, yeah. you know, Bird from the Moonshine Bandits, Clay from the Lax, Demon Jones, uh, know, you know, yeah. just people from my life, my, my DJ, um, from whenever I first started, you know, back in the nineties when we started uh-huh. and, um, just, it's a whole cast, man. So you know, when you hear from the other people in the audio book, you know, it's uh, my wife's brother reading the parts. But uh, all the parts that are, that, you know, are me, uh, are, are, you know, me telling my, my own story. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to reading it. And uh, another thing I want to ask you, uh, I mean, how, how good does your memory have to be to write a book like that? I mean, did you, did you have an easy time, you know, Scrolling down memory lane, did it come to you all naturally, or did you have to sit and just kind of ponder on what you were going to put in there? It's all about creating a timeline. Once you yeah. start breaking your life down into segments of five years, it's not hard to trace back what happened in that five-year time, and then you start to really remember, you know, what happened when you were ten, what happened when you were fifteen, what happened when you were twenty, and then what happened. You know, now you start. Oh, wait a minute. I was 16. I got my license, the first car I drove, you know, oh, this, this, and this. And then three years of putting together all that information, 500 pages of uh, manuscript, and then me and my wife trimmed it down to like 150 pages. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's doing it there. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. I got, I got to get that. I'm, uh, I'm excited to read that kind of digging there. Did you? Is it pretty much is it about music, or, or do you cover everything, personal stuff? And, and, oh, it's everything. it's it's very personal, very yeah. personal. But okay. one thing that I did manage to do is I kept all negative energy out of the book. That's the best way to be. Yeah, that's good. I don't, there's not a single mention of negativity in my entire book. You know, so I don't mention my ex-wives. I don't mention people that I don't do. You know, that I did business with that was bad. That I have a bad, you know bad relationship mm-hmm. with. I just there's no hate. There's no drama. It's my story. And it's the, you know, it's, it's, and there's some people that are upset because they didn't get mentioned. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, hey, go write your own book. That's it. 
But yeah, that probably be another book before it's all over and done with anyway. I think what we're gonna do is, you know, we we've taken the the manuscript and we've kind of turned it into a movie script. So there's cool. there's talks of uh, a movie, you know, and doing something like that. And I've got some ideas, you know, that I would like to uh, try to make happen. So you know, we'll see. That's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, man, movie that'd be cool. That definitely be something I I enjoy seeing. Uh, one more question for you, brother. Thank you for speaking with me. Uh, touring, uh, what's your touring schedule like? Um, this year, I believe, is going to be my last year for touring. Oh, really? And I think so. I mean, I'm very uncertain until January 1st, 2021 rolls around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in my heart, I would, I'm would. i very disappointed in the industry of touring. Uh-huh. And I think that uh, I think I've had my feels on it. And uh, I believe this might be the last year, and I'm not really doing a lot of it. I don't enjoy, uh, I don't enjoy it anymore. Really? Yeah. Well, that's very honest of you. I mean, I feel you. I mean, I can see where it get tiring, but uh, yeah, if you lost the joy out of it, definitely wouldn't want to be doing it anymore. That's for yeah. Sure. That's that's the thing. You got to know, you got to know when you've lost your your love for something. You got to let it go and. It's not the love for performing. It's not the love for traveling. It's the love for, you know, babysitting uh, overconsumed alcoholic uh, people and being underpaid for my talent and yeah. a lot of unprofessional people that I have to deal with just in order to do my job. Uh, that's the stuff that I've that's made me lose interest. Uh, I've absolutely love performing um i wish that i could do it every single night on a stage in front of people who didn't pull their cell phones out and go live or didn't over consume alcohol and yell at me what song to play next Uh, those are the things (laughs) that make me hate touring uh so to be honest with you it's just uh society has turned into a you know uh, this weird pig version of people that have no coos, and I, mean, <laughs> I got, I got no, uh, I got no reserve for those types of people. And, yeah, uh, I'm ready, brother. I mean, yeah, this world is a madhouse. People like the other day, um, there was a lady in front of me, and she was in front of me. And the light turned green, and I bet it, it didn't even sit there two seconds. And the person behind me was honking, and I was like, man, it just turned green. Like people, that, like you said, uncouth, nobody has time for nothing anymore. Yeah, so I don't know if I want to be involved in the rat race much longer. I've had <laughs> fun. You know, I've kind of found my, my place of happiness is just um, – making music you know i can make music and put out music and never leave my house so yeah uh, i can do podcasts never leave the house so that's it i can i can continue to crank out content make myself happy and not throw myself to the wolves and uh and i'll be just fine yeah i mean one thing i noticed from this conversation you know we've we've interviewed before for other things but you, you seem like there's a lot more ease in your voice. Like you don't, you know, like you don't sound like you have that everyday grind tension. You seem like kind of like, like I'm not gonna say enlightened, but more like just 
comfortable within what you got going on. Like I'm almost jealous of it because I don't have that yet. But you just seem kind of like going with the flow, and that's awesome that you got to that point, man. Yeah, I think that's what. Uh, and I'm not sure how old you are, but I think that's what comes with like 44. Yeah. <laughs> <I think. laughs> Once you get I'll be 44 next month. So yeah. I think at the age of 44, you just kind of, you finally kind of get it. You realize what's important, what's not important. And, you know, it's more about making yourself happy than making yourself rich. It's more about being loved than being famous. And, you know, things just tend to make more sense whenever you've been through a lot. I hear you, man. Perspective. Hey, you, dude, you got, you got, you have to, you're probably doing motivational speak, speeches for too long. I think I already am. Yeah, you already <laughs> you already in there. Hey. Singer, songwriter, musician, comedian. Greg Hall wears many hats. And we're going to touch on all of them right now on the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. Enjoy. Josh at Zanies with old Dusty Slay. I really know how to command a room. Remind me of a, a new uh, version of a Roger Miller-esque type entertainer. Oh my God, that's a compliment. That's yeah, that's, that's yeah. He was a great one. I thought, man, yeah. he's got the same kind of style. You kind of get him in there, and get him hooked in, and then uh, get the uh, old giggle bits rolling. So, <laughs> well, um, bless you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Roger Miller, man, that dude. Uh, yeah, he was some kind of something, wasn't he? He was. I often wonder what it's been like to spend an hour inside of his head and his brain. <laughs> wow, that would have been hectic. Yeah, um, you know those guys. Those guys raised Kane. Can you imagine he and Willie and uh, all those guys back at Tootsie's in the '60s oh, yeah, yeah. and Harlan Howard, and they're just you know taking refreshments together every night. And, yeah, uh, just go play at the Opry and then walk right across the street. <laughs> goodness gracious. Yeah. So well, happy day a- to you, my brother. You too. Just uh, just enjoying it all. Let's uh, let's dig in. Like I said, I got to you. But what's the origin story? I know you moved to Nashville, like so many, to to be. I, I'm assuming a country artist. But but how did we take a turn into comedy? Actually, you know, my favorite two country bands are Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. So, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I came here, God, twenty something years ago, and. You know, I grew up in I grew up in Texas, and, and I started out as a singer songwriter. And, and you would open up for the Jerry Jeff Walkers and the Billy Joe Shavers and the Ray yeah. Wiley Hubbards and oh, Gary Pinnons yeah. and stuff. And it was uh, yeah, Snake Farm. It was it was a great uh, learning ground to, to to know what a solo troubadour was. You know, just a oh, guy yeah. who 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 played in a little restaurant club or a or a bar alone. And so that was kind of, uh, you know, even though I was listening to, you know, all kinds of rock back then. Uh, so we were kind of Americana before Americana even had a name. So when oh, I moved yeah. here, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to don a Stetson for, you know, I'm a fourth generation Texan. I don't need a don a Stetson and boots. Nothing yeah. wrong with them, but that just wasn't, <laughs> my, wasn't my thing. And yeah. uh, and my dad played Western Swing music, actually shared the stage with uh Bob Wills and Hank Thompson and oh, wow. Matthew Frizzell and Tommy Halsup and all those Western scene guys. And uh, so anyway, I moved here just to, it was either New York, L.A. or Nashville. 
And yeah. L.A., the traffic was, you know, just I couldn't think about that. New York would have been too expensive, and Nashville was uh, yeah. kind of where I needed to go. I hear you. And it all started, let me see, you got like a Kennedy Center Award, which is pretty prestigious. Let's, let's talk about that. It was a, it was a baby Kennedy Center Award. It was uh, <laughs> there was a thing called the National College Theater Arts Festival, and it's where um, schools would take a play and compete with other colleges. And so we did this Garcia Lorca play, uh, Spanish playwright, and it was called Yerma. And um, I played a bard of friends, uh, Gibson Blue Ridge twelve string. Wow. And it was, you know, you could play E minor on it and, you know, sound like God. And uh, <laughs> and so I just wrote some, you know, kind of s- slow ballad, rocky, you know, little chords on this 12 string. And it, and it won the award for me. And so, uh, but we competed against a number of other universities. And, and the play we were in, like, won, it won Best Actor and then it won Best Music. And so they gave me a little plaque that said, "Present, you know, National College Theater Arts Festival, Kennedy Center." And I, you know, I showed it to my mom. My mom dropped out of school and started singing in bars, and uh, and that was it. That's super groovy. I, I saw that in your in your info on your website. I was like, "Man, a Kennedy Center Award? That's a pretty big deal. That's big time there." Well, it was fun. You know, it kind of gave me the confidence to uh, to to walk the plank. You know. Sure. And. Uh, so yeah, and and you know, it, it, like I say, it wasn't a big Kennedy Center honor, but it was an award presented by the Kennedy Center to different colleges and who won around the country. You know, there were yeah. regions, and we we had a really big region. So, so that was kind of cool. Absolutely. Um, so let's uh, what, what was I going to get with now? I see, you know, you you perform with everybody. You know, like so like there's like Burn guys and the Voice. I've never known anybody who got to perform with him. What was he like in person? What, what kind of guy was he? He was just a uh, down-home, good country dude, just real unassuming, and uh, was pretty easygoing and pretty cool. Um, and like you said, the voice, and I didn't play with him long or anything, but just the, the chance to, uh, you know, play guitar uh, with him in a band on stage a few times, that was just really cool. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. And I was, op- I was open for him, and he said, man, join me on guitar. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I, I wound up doing that a couple more times after that. That's still pretty neat. Um, so uh, nowadays, like um, I saw you, you know, you did a couple of things with like Oh Loggins and Messina. Do you perform uh, comedy music, or do you perform like more contemporary stuff, or how does that go when you like link up with somebody like of that kind of caliber? Well, that was the Loggins and Messina thing was wild. That was the catalyst for because you know I did the songwriter thing, and then I did the comedy thing for like. 15 years and did a few music things but didn't you know I had a bunch of people telling me God you know play music again for goodness sakes you know I was I was mad at the business so to speak the business never did anything to me I mean it offered me wonderful stuff I just wasn't able to accept Mm -hmm. abundance you know so I batted away and uh and so people would say man why aren't you playing music and uh so I was I was headlining the uh, a comedy club in Cleveland, Ohio, the Hard Rock Casino in Cleveland. Well, no. And and uh, Kenny Loggins' manager lived in Cleveland, and a friend of mine named uh, Phyllis Saucy was their publicist, and uh, she hooked it up where I could open for Kenny and uh, and uh, Jimmy Messina and uh, 
also uh, Gary Burr and Georgia Middleman from Nashville were there too, and they just said, he said, would you, you know, would you want to go on and uh, open? Uh, and I said, yeah, sure. And uh, so I actually had to go on as a comedian because it was a soundstage gig, and I wanted to plug in my guitar, but it was all union. And they said, <laughs> oh, it'll take us 30 minutes to plug in your guitar, and we're only designated for 12 or whatever. Oh, my God. And, uh, so I walked out there, sans guitar, which was that's kind of like my pacifier, yeah. and um, and did it, and it was wonderful. It was it was really cool. And watching Loggins and Messina play acoustically kind of inspired me to uh, to start playing music again. And so I started playing music again in Music City Roots here in Nashville. Yeah, um, they've been really really good to me. They they let me uh, they let me go on there, and then they. Uh, let me host it and be a musical act uh, another time. Then they let me host it and be a musical act another time. So they were real, uh, you know, they were, <clears throat> they were a blessing. Uh, yeah. And so, and ever since then, I've just been, uh, you know, doing the music shows are kind of taking over the comedy shows. I hear you. So you just uh, mixing them both. That's neat. So uh, what's the tour schedule like now? I remember talking about Zanies, which is, you know, where I discovered you and, and became an immediate fan. Do you, do you play a lot locally, like with the Music City Roots? Do you do the rounds like at your Bluebirds and your Kimbros and all that? You know, I used to do the rounds 100 years ago, and mm-hmm. um, I actually, you know, like getting paid. So, uh, okay, that was a little <laughs> fun. But my brother's got to make a check, you know? That's it. You got to keep so the I will do, uh, I'll do Roots and stuff, and I'll do an occasional Bluebird, and, uh, Mervyn at Douglas Corner's always been good to me. It's the first place I ever played in Nashville. So I'll do Douglas a couple of times a year. And I want to start um, doing that more. But so so locally, not so much. But um, um, but I'm going to increase that because this is my home and it's time to uh, – but I go to uh, – uh, Zany Zones a club in Huntsville and in Phoenix, and they're called Stand Up Live. Uh-huh. And so I do stand up live, um, and it's a great club. You know, the guys who own the guys who own Zanies, the guys who own uh, Stardome in Birmingham, which is one of the greatest clubs, and the guys who own the Comedy Zones, which there are like twenty of those, and I do all mm-hmm. their clubs. Um, they all got together and, and got this stand up live, so it's run like a well old machine. You know, it's run just like Zanies or the Stardome would be, and it's getting great crowds. So that Huntsville stand-up live on January 26th, and then the 29th, 30th, 31st, and 1st, I'm doing uh, the Carolina Comedy Club in Myrtle Beach. Nice. And then uh, coming back here on the 7th of February, and I'm doing kind of my favorite show now. I'm, I'm playing the Nashville Recovery Center uh I guess Friday the seventh at seven o'clock, and that that'll just be playing original songs and telling funny stories. Yeah, you know, there's music, there's comedy, but what I love the most is uh, just singing original songs and telling you know stories about life and the road and stuff. Yeah, it's the best way to be. You know, kind of like just uh, just present it out how it is and just be real with it. I think I think that's how people will gravitate more towards you if you just. Be your authentic self, because eventually it's going to come out, you know, either way. So, you know, that's what I loved about uh, that's what I loved about comedy. Um, after a few years, uh, after a few years in it, it doesn't matter who's who. You know, if you're the middle guy, it 
doesn't matter who's before or after you, and if you're the headliner, if, uh, you know, after I started headlining, you'd get these unbelievable feature acts that yeah. that that would just kill it. I mean, some wouldn't kill it, but every now and again, you get a feature act who uh, who you just go, man, how in the world do I follow that? That was good. But it's not about following. It's like you said, just go out there and be authentic. Just be yourself and just say, hey, how y'all doing? And uh, and well, for me, if I, if I do that and if I'm in a good place in my life and self and stuff and I walk out there, then the, the rest will kind of take care of itself. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, and the beauty of, of, of stepping into comedy is that, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but it doesn't seem like there is an age limit. I've seen people start in their 40s. I've seen people start in their teens. You know, your Rodney Dangerfields, your Roseannes, they they started in their 40s. Some people start when they're kids. It just seems like if if you've got it and you've got the rhythm and the timing and, and you've got the humor that there's there's a place pretty much for you in the realm of comedy and as far as that genre goes, just to me personally. <laughs> yeah. Well thank God, Josh, from your lips to God's ear. Um, <laughs> I mean, I joke that I could play AARP gigs for the rest of my life and make oh, more shit, money yeah. than I ever have. Yeah, yeah, man, a corporate gig is where it's at from where I read in these books and like study these magazines like a corporate comedians like um like um uh, like my friend Rick Roberts, which I took his classes a couple of times. He, you know, he's great. Yeah. He's just seems great. to be, it seems Sorry, to be a really cool guy. No, I was just thinking, I, I took his classes and, you know, he just makes it look so easy and organic, but, you know, I got to be thinking he's been doing it 20 plus. So, I mean, that's just, it's just all about, you know, honing your skills and just, uh, you know, not giving up. You know, and those classes, I love those classes because, you know, corporate people take those classes to become better public speakers. Sure, yeah. And there are classes like that at every, you know, the Comedy Zones do them in Charlotte, and I think Knoxville and Chattanooga have the com- and the Punchline. I think all the good comedy clubs have comedy classes that not only comedians can take, but even even musicians. I mean, the difference to me between music and comedy is, uh, as a you know, as a singer songwriter, I can kind of look at the crowd every now and again. And, you know, close my eyes and sing. But with comedy, you got to walk out there, and you got to let everyone in the room look deeply into you. Yes. And it's an inclusiveness in comedy that I that I'm thankful I learned because it helps my music shows. Yeah. No. I, yeah, I could see that totally because, see, me being a drummer, you know, if if I miss if I miss a lick. Somebody's going to pick up where I left off, but if you get up there and you flatline, that's that's it. It's you. <laughs> you can't turn around and look at your bass player or something. That's it. You got to you got to recover really fast. Um, how long have you been hitting those skins? Quite a while, haven't you? Oh my gosh, I started at about eleven or twelve, and then now I'm 105. So uh, let's see. Yeah. No, I, I've, here's the thing about it. I, I actually don't even own a set right now, but if I'm ever somewhere and there's a drum set sitting there, I, I always have to hit on it. It's, I'll be tapping the steering wheel. It'll never, I'll never get rid of it, but I always loved it. But yeah, probably started about 12 years old. Um, You ever heard of Grady Saxman? I haven't, but I wish I had. Tell me about it. Grady is a uh, Grady drummer who played on Luke Combs's. uh album as well as a, a bunch of others but grady yeah. has a studio here called saxman studios he's doing some cool. great stuff and uh i do have to push this i uh i have my first musical album in 
damn it, I, dang it, I hate to say, 18 or 20 years. Wow. Because I did that. Because remember, I had four music albums 20-something years ago that sold well over nine dozen copies. So, you know, I had, <laughs> you know, I know what it's like to have albums out. And uh, yeah. so, but I got Luis Espaillat, who's uh, been with Trace Atkins for for years and a great studio guy. And he produced it, and he got he got Grady, and we recorded at Grady's place, and uh, uh, just had some amazing people. There. The cellists for the symphony come out and play on a song because cellos have been associated with rock and roll, you know, yeah, cashmere or yeah. before, you know, <laughs> and uh, and ELO and all that. There's always been cellos and flutes and stuff in that. Brian Wilson had to have him in the Beach Boys. He had like three or four of them playing at once. So. Man, that's a whole nother story there. On that oh, my guy. gosh. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I got a new album out called Beauty from Ashes. And uh, Phil Kinsey, the legendary sax player, and he played this video clip on com of at Music City Roots of us doing Year of the Cat, that wow. old song by Al Stewart. And the Those reason I – well, the reason I did it is because Phil Kinsey – the saxophone player who wrote and played on Alistair Tier of the Cat 43 years ago came out and played sax with me <laughs> at Music City awesome. Roots. That's and awesome. uh, he'd also played with Bowie and George Harrison and every Rod Stewart album. And when the Eagles needed a sax player on the long run, they called Phil. Yeah. And uh, so this wonderful gentleman from England comes out. He comes out and he plays in the show. And uh, <laughs> it was great, man. Yeah. So uh, that's on that's on the web page, but uh, yeah, he's one. So anyway, Phil came out and played sax yeah, on the album, awesome. and uh, but anyway, it's called Beauty from Ashes, and it's on uh, GregHall.com, and I'm really proud of it. I I, I wrote the songs with uh, I wrote a bunch of them myself, but I wrote a bunch of them with the late great Rich Fagan, who uh, had songs on 25 million album sales. Rich wrote uh, Wow. He wrote all those John Michael Montgomery hits, uh, the Grundy County Auction song, and sure, that's a fan all of those. Hey, little baby, look at for anyway. Blah. Yeah. But uh, so, so my point is, it is amazing how many really cool, how many wonderful people are in Nashville who will help you when you just pick up the phone, you know? Absolutely, that's and that's the best ever. You know, that's one thing I love about good old Southern hospitality or, or, or just, just the area in general. Like there, there's somebody that knows somebody that might be related to a friend of somebody where you can find them pretty easily if you just get out there and try. <laughs> like, uh, for instance, I live in Columbia, Tennessee, and I saw Marlon Way uh, Marlon Wayans, Marlon Frizzell in CBS one day. You were talking about Lefty, and I was like, aren't you Lefty Frizzell's son? He was like surprised I knew who he was. Wow, I wouldn't have yeah. known that. Yeah, uh, what a random place to me. I'm like, so we're both in the uh, Sav aisle. Uh, let's talk about music for a bit. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the Sav aisle. Yeah, we're, we're the, over there looking at Sav. <laughs> we're like, hey. we're yeah. at the Poultice aisle. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, that, reminds, that reminds me of a comedy joke. I was, I was at the store getting some cold medicine, and I saw this product called Acid Reliever. <laughs> And I thought, man, where were you at that Grateful Dead concert 20 years ago? Yes. <laughs> you used them as Exactly. Okay. Yeah, we over there in the cold creams or whatever, and I saw him, and I had to ask him, I was like, hey, you look like Marlon Frizzell. He's like, oh, yeah, that's me. And I was like, wow, how random. But, yeah, you never know what you're going to what you're gonna about Yeah, never know what you're going to see running running around. Even, like I said, I was in Columbia. Uh, 
which is uh, another story. Still, Everly, God rest his soul, before he passed, lived in Columbia. Did you know that? No. Check this out. I'm in Walmart about, I don't know, six or seven years ago, and I got a brand-new puppy. And I have him in there in the ba- basket, and I'm in there getting him, you know, a blanket and a little bed and everything. And down the aisle is Phil Everly and his wife, and he goes, hey, I like your dog. What kind of dog is that? And I don't even think I answered him. I was just like, hey, are you Phil Everly? I yet to, you know, tell him anything about the dog. I'm more worried. I'm like, oh, you're Phil Everly and blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was really, really nice and approachable. I'm like, and, you know, this time I didn't think to take a picture with him. I'm like, hey, I was just down the dog aisle. Phil Everly was there. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. And uh, I guess Roy Orbison was down, you know, the cat aisle. And I was like, yeah, whatever, you know. I've I've got a I've got a story that parallels that. Twenty something years ago, I'm in an elevator at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis. Oh yes, the best. The duck. You in there with the ducks? <laughs> yes. And, the, and a guy walks in, and I said, "Man, you look like Carl Perkins." And he said, "Son, I am Carl Perkins." But <laughs> <laughs> looking to it, yeah, got his blue suede shoes on. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. But yeah. I, I just love little stories like that where you're rocking around and you're like, hey, you look like, oh, no, that's me. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> do, uh, um, do you, okay, there's one, like I saw not too long ago where Dusty did that show with uh, Kiefer from um, uh, Thompson Square, the, the comedy and like music like merged together. Do you ever do those gigs with them? Uh, Kiefer is a comedian, yeah. right? He's in Thompson Square. You know that song, Are You Gonna Kiss Me or Not? Um, I don't know. I've heard of Kiefer, and I've heard of Thompson Square, but the, like I say, the last new album I bought was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. So, uh, oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding on that a little bit. But uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I don't know well enough. I'm, so, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. They, they did like, I don't know if it was a one-off or one or whatever, but they had like a, singer-songwriters, and they mixed it in with comedy. You probably need to get in on the next one of those. I don't know if they ever have another one if it was one-off or what. But hey, uh, well, when we get off this, you and I will talk about that, and I'll get some info. And also, real quick, how can I tell people about your wonderful podcast? Because you've had some great people on here. I looked at uh, you know, your roster of folks, and more people need to hear this. So uh, after, after this, get with me or something, and let's uh, – uh, see how I can post this and uh, let more people know about your podcast. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. The, the only thing that I do is usually like uh, I, I post them on Sundays and then I will send you the link and you can share it. And I have that little Facebook page and, and that's cool. really about it. Kind, kind cool. of low, low stream, you know, don't really have uh, any, uh, I don't know, I don't have any major outlets or anything yet. Just uh, right now, I just do it for the sheer joy of learning about everything I love, which is musical comedy mix. Wow. Get a little bit of both spectrum. So, uh, yeah, well, we've plugged it all. We've discussed anything else you want to mention, and I'll get out of your hair. Nah, you ain't in my hair. Any more? Uh, any more questions? No, nope, I think you covered everything I ever wanted to know or ask so far. Other than I uh, <laughs> want to catch you again. You, yeah, you. Oh, the only other thing I was thinking about is that in your pictures you look like the Bridges, Jeff, and uh, what's the brother? You look like you were related to him. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, is it Lloyd got- Bridges. Yeah, uh, Lloyd Bridges' sons were uh, Jeff and uh, Good Heavens. I cannot believe I can't think of it. Bo Bridges. Bo and Jeff. Yeah. I was thinking of Jeff and Bo. Yeah, I was thinking of the Baker brothers. Yeah, that's it. I, I, there's so many bridges out there. When my when my hair was long, longer, people would 
come up to me and they'd say, the dude abides. Absolutely. And, I could and see that. I didn't, and I wasn't as big a fan as I am now of of that movie. Um, oh, my gosh, my mind's slipping. What is that movie? Uh, the, the Big Lebowski. Yeah. And yeah. now I've watched it like five or six times. Yeah. And Bushimi, John Goodman is insane in that movie. And that is just, that is a, <laughs> his, yeah. his anger is full commitment. And, and, uh, and yeah, that's a, so I'm glad people said to me, the dude abides years ago, because I'm yeah. a big fan of that movie now. I love that movie. And then my other Jeff Bridges is Crazy Hearts. You ever seen that? Oh, where he was a singer? Oh my gosh! What a oh, yeah, beautiful! I saw, that, I saw that the first week it came out. Yeah, that that was a piece of work. Oh, T Bone, uh, what's the last name? Walker. Most of music. Burnett. Burnett. That's it. Yeah, he uh, he really captured that. That was a great movie. I've always been a Jeff Bridges guy myself. So, but yeah, that Big Lebowski. Like, I'm surprised they never made a sequel because that that was intense. And uh, be- because of that, I learned that Kenny Rogers was in a psychedelic rock band. Never knew that before. I watched The Big Lebowski. Um, well, which one? Uh, the yeah. fourth dimension, the condition. Yeah, Kenny Rogers yeah. in the fifth. Uh, uh, the, the fifth, uh, yeah. Kenny, uh, the addition or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And Kenny actually paid for Don Henley to go to California for the first time to be in a band. You can Google it. Um, yeah, Shiloh was their name. Yeah, Shiloh, Shiloh. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny Rogers in the first edition. That's it. And the drummer right. was in a lot of movies himself. That wasn't Levon Helm, was it, from the band? No, this drummer, he also played – the only thing I know, I don't even remember his name. He also was the drummer for Dwight Yoakam's band in um, uh, what, uh, Sling Blade. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name. I know this is a bunch of random stuff. But, yeah, he played drums in the psychedelic Kenny Rogers band. Um. Yeah, Kenny was a uh, yeah. There's a, there's no clip. Remember the remember the great band Badfinger. Yes, yes. Uh, Baby Blue and uh, No Matter What You Are and there's yeah. a bunch of those songs. Um, Kenny Rogers, when he was in the first edition, he introduces Badfinger on this music show. He goes, and he's, he's got dark glasses on. He's a big hippie, and he goes, <laughs> "Ladies and gentlemen, Badfinger." <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, "If." You want it? That's exactly. Exactly. Uh, Hey, I. uh, This is going to sound so funny, but um, every so often, the um, the the local Goodwill will have like fifty cent gem books, and like I recently picked up Lori Morgan's uh, book, her biography. She had a ton of husbands, of course, and more power to her. But did you know she had an affair with Kenny Rogers? How did we get on Kenny Rogers? But anyway, she had an extramarital affair with old Kenny Rogers. Well, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. That's exactly what she said. She said he held for a little bit, then he folded, and out the door he went. (laughs) He told her not to take your love to town. You know, she didn't listen. She had to, you got no one to walk away, no one to run your butt out of there. (laughs) <laughs> I just like I said that was a it was quite a page turner book you know to hear about Keith Whitley and what a disaster he was and you know so on and so forth so you ought to do a show with Kenny Rogers I think well he retired didn't he or is he, he isn't he like almost dead he had to imagine him that too long <laughs> ago gonna, I'll defer to the jury on that one <laughs> um, <laughs> Kenny Rogers revival tour the um, resurrection tour. Yeah, the second edition. 
<laughs> See, there you go. Yeah. That's I'd love funny. to spend some time with Kenny Rogers. I wonder what he's doing tonight. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. That reminds <laughs> me of another uh, horrible thing. I've got a friend. and this is I'm going to name any band that comes into my head. So this is nothing against any band in the world. Yeah. So, so a guy comes into town, a friend of mine, really likes Nashville, really likes country music, and we're at Home Depot, and he said, uh, isn't that the guitar player for Diamond Rio? Uh, no, I said, I said, hey, do you want to meet the guitar player for Diamond Rio? And he said, yeah. sure. And I said, well, he's got the orange uh, j- 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 jumping over. He's the head of plumbing over there. Oh, Go my talk gosh. to him. Yeah. <laughs> but but honestly, that's just life in the in the big city and life in uh, in the music business. You know, you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah, the one guy in I don't know if it was Sawyer Brown. He was like doing the keyboards and flying airplanes too, wasn't he? Well, um, Sawyer Brown. Well, that's another twenty-minute conversation. Uh, they had their fifteen minutes, and they were uh, more power to them. Yeah, they did. Well, uh, didn't they? They covered. They did the races on. That's right. They did the old George Jones song. That was their first one, wasn't it? I, can't, I think. I think it's right. Not sure. I th- did they do six days on the road? Yeah, they, they did that. And they did a line first trash and night white trash a lot and a little crazy too. You know, you know they put out there was some there was good stuff. You know, and people like that work their butts off. I know, I know two or three guys who were in bands that you know sold their couple of million albums you know twenty years ago and uh, and uh, all that kind of stuff and uh, and got to play. Uh, stadiums and all that jazz for a little while and man if you had your 15 minutes then you did better than 99.99 percent of the people that ever walked into the business you know that's it absolutely and, and i've told people as much as i love music and comedy if i had an opportunity to do either and, and somebody was like you get to do this but you have to wear a little clown hat and you know have to have a little dog in your hand at all times you know like a little hookah horn or something i'd be like that's fine I would sell out in a heartbeat. I would have no qualms with it. You know, whatever it takes. Everybody's got to find their niche. I don't fault any man for his hustle. Um, I don't quite understand uh, new age gangster rap, but other than that, I think everybody, you know, do your thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I can't get into because what what I think is crazy, and here I am, um, you know, sound like the old man Spencer or whatever, but. You know, these kids will listen to this music and it'll say, you know, they'll be cussing and degrading women and vice versa. But if the same person were to say that to a woman, not only would she hit him, but she'd be like out of her mind offended. But yet they'll buy the albums and sing along like it's just the greatest thing ever. Well, the uh, other than another 30 minutes, the only thing I can say about that is I'm glad I grew up grew up with John Wayne, Julie Andrews, Marvin Gaye, and the Eagles instead of Maury Povich, Kim Kardashian, Justin Bieber, and Lil Wayne. That's it. Uh, I am really glad I know who John Wayne and Julie Andrews are. Yeah, um, I could, could imagine somebody going, hey, John, do you want to listen to a rap album with me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Speaking of which, uh, The Shootist, I just watched it for the first time. Did we talk about this last time we were talking? No, we didn't. That uh, the um, old John Wayne movie. Yeah, John Wayne and Opie, and uh, I don't, and whoever else. But it was a great. I thought that was a good movie, and he died in it, which I thought was I never seen him die in a movie before. He died in he died in two movies I know of: the the Shootist and John Wayne and the Cowboys. 
Oh wow! So two of where them. he where he took a bunch of kids, uh, and you know the great a- the great actor Bruce Dern. Yes, yes. Bruce Dern. Uh, that was one of his first movies, and he got to kill John Wayne. And uh, wow, uh, yeah, and it was uh, it was rugged. Yeah, we need to, we need to get uh, Bruce Dern and Kenny Rogers together and uh, <laughs> perform at Zany's. You can you can perform on stage with them. That'd be good. Well, I don't know. I don't know how that'd work out. Yeah, well, we'll we'll find somebody that's got a phone number or two. We'll figure it out. Scooter Ward, lead vocalist of the band Cold, the hard rock heavy hitters, is up next on the podcast. Being in Nashville, I just want to let you know, greatest live concert I ever saw, Rocket Town 2005. Here's the bill. Cold, Flyleaf, Smile, Empty Soul. I remember it like yeah. it was yesterday. Yeah, I love that tour, man. I think that was one of Flyleaf's first uh, national tours, but, um, and we brought him out on that tour. It was, it was dope. It was. It was, it was, it was great. It, and the thing was, every tier of the concert was just yeah. a, a bigger level, and then you guys got up there and just commanded that audience, and it was like, one solid state of energy for like an hour or so just uh, one of my greatest experiences man you just really you really brought it and I, I really I, I look forward to telling you after all these years just thank you for making that possible oh well thanks man that was very nice i appreciate yeah, that you guys are always been like a, like have like a one-on-one connection with your fans um you yes. know and you make all of us feel whether there's a thousand of us or twenty thousand it's like you know, we're all friends somehow or another. So. That's what it's about, though, right? Isn't that what... I mean, music brings everybody together, and the fact that we're able to do that with everyone, and the show's just... Everybody seems like they're family there and want to play, man. It's really nice. It's really yeah, it, it is. It's it's a great thing, and, and, and glad you got all this new stuff going. And I just sat down, actually, today and watched the Run video. I've already enjoyed the music on Spotify. And, and you know, speaking of fans, it's, it's almost like that's, <laughs> you just kind of summed it up in that video. That's what it's all about. Yeah, we we tried. It was, you know, we wish everything. Of course, when you're doing a video, you wish you had more content and things are longer and you could express everything but try and wrap it up in three minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we did as best we could. And we just wanted to give back to the fans that came to the tour a little bit because we didn't want to, um, you know, it really wasn't about a label producing a video for us or anything. We just loved the song, and we wanted to give thanks to the fans that were there and give them a little memory of the tour that we had just presented. Yeah, it was. It was really. That was. It's a rocking video. I really. I hope everybody gravitates to it because it's, it's super awesome. Right on. uh, uh, one of the resurgence got me excited about Cold, and like I said, you guys, and I was so bummed to see you guys hit Nashville, and I wasn't even aware of it. Didn't you guys just come to Nashville? Yeah, yeah, we just played Nashville. It was a nice show. It was great. Man, my 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 like my feelings were hurt. I was like, well, how did I not hear about this? You know what what happened? But anyway, I'll catch the next one. Um, yeah. I heard the new Breaking Ben song. Man, uh, was it far away. Aren't you a yeah, part of it? Yeah, yeah, yes, I am. Um, ben, we had we were rehearsing for the um, Broken Human tour recently in uh, Pennsylvania. We were up on a mountain, uh, and um, Ben was playing a show down at the bottom of the mountain, basically, <laughs> and asked us to come down and, uh, you know, we we had called the night before to just get tickets to go see him and just hang out because we hadn't seen him in a long time. And so 
the next day around noon, he had called Nick, our guitarist. They were good friends. They grew up together. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, man, he goes, dude, is the whole band there? And he was like, kind of. Um, <laughs> and he goes, well, why don't you guys come down and play Just Got Wicked on stage tonight and with the whole band? And, of course, initially I was like, fuck, hell no, we're not doing that. <laughs> no, that's crazy. I, I've seen bands bring artists on stage to be a part of a song or yeah. maybe, you know, do something like that. But I've never heard them break in the middle of the set and bring another band out. So it was kind of scary. Um, and, and we hadn't played in a long, long time. We were at the beginning of our rehearsal. We, you know, we hadn't been together in about a year. Um, so, yeah, it was intimidating. But we ended up going and doing it. And um, it was it was uh, Sean, his drummer's birthday that day. And he goes, I want Sean to let Sean play drums and I'll get up and do it with you guys and it's going to be cool. So we went up there and did a couple sound checks and it was a little iffy, but we were like, you know what, man? Well, it is what it is. If we get up there and it blows, then yeah, that's yeah. it, you know. But it, and and we kind of met, almost messed up in the bridge. I think Sean like hit a couple of things that were wrong and he kicked back in when I said one, two, three, here we come with the wicked and it, it all <laughs> came back together. Uh-huh. But ben, ben was such a pro about it and. He kind of just ragged Sean at the end and said, uh, I think he said, hey, man, you know, you had one thing to do and you messed it up. He goes, but now <laughs> you got to do a 10-minute drum solo. And everybody <laughs> just started laughing, and the crowd was all into it. It was hilarious. But it was yeah, a it good was awesome. time. It yeah, was cool. yeah, like you had one job. <laughs> yeah, I love Sean, man. And, dude, for, on his defense, that's so much pressure to do that. Like, he wasn't – he didn't know the song, every little part, you know. Um, yeah. So – for him to come in and just do it on two takes, a sound check, for his first time playing with us, he did a great job. Yeah, hey, man, you know, that's just what it's all about. I mean, you got to get in there and give it your best. I mean, A for effort. I'm with you. Yeah, totally. man. Yeah, yeah, and we had a great time. And that kind of rekindled our friendship with Ben again because we hadn't spoken to him in a long time just because our lives had become, you know, separated from us doing our thing, them doing their thing. Yeah. So us getting back together that night kind of, I think two nights later, he called me at like two in the morning and was talking about the song. He goes, man, I did a, a kind of a acoustic slash revision kind of record with a different artist. Um, it's called Aurora, and it's coming out. It's already slated to be released. Like, he'd already turned the record in. And he goes, but there was this one song on there, and he goes, basically a bunch of older Breaking Benjamin songs uh, rehashed. And he goes, but there's one song on there that's brand new. And he goes, I think it fits us, you know, me and you together perfectly. Yeah. So when he sent me the song, I, all I had to hear was the verse and the chorus. As soon as I heard the chorus, I was like, yes. So um, he <laughs> backed the record up. I think he hit like, the label up and said, let's push the record back a little bit to make this happen. And I just did it that week. Uh, we had all the capabilities and the stu- little studio built up in the rehearsal room. So busted it out, and it turned out pretty well, man. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. I, I've heard the song. You know, they played on local radio and everything. That's the first time I got a taste of it, and, um, you know, on Spotify, obviously, and, and media outlets. But uh, one of our local DJs here, he he, he mentioned your name at the end. I was like, what is going on here? Okay, that's yeah. perfect. Yes, groovy. Yeah, it's uh, kind very, of funny yeah. that our voices are kind of similar with uh, the, the cadence and the, the melody of the song um, yeah. to where I even had a hard time, like, differentiating things that um, – when I was listening back, I was like, I don't know if that's me or him, but... 
Yeah, it's, you both have that uh, that commanding voice. It's it's yeah. it's like it's like dark and ominous, but yet it's 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 right there where it needs to be. It's like yeah. your your voice to me is 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 one of the greatest that's ever been in the genre, and and I'll, I enjoy his as well. But like you said, it's like a it's like a, a moodier Everly brother get together. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, man. That's nice. Yeah. Thank you. But like I said, I th- you know because sometimes singers are harmonize with themselves, and that's what. And then when I when he mentioned your name, I was like, dude, that's just icing on the cake for that song there. Yeah, yeah, very, props, very props. Cool. Thank you. Um, thank you. Anyway, my brother, another thing I'm pumped about: uh, uh, Thirteen Ways to Bleed on Stage. What is it turning twenty years old, man? It is. It I is. can't believe. I mean, I remember waiting in line and getting what they call a CD at the store. Yeah, right. <laughs> And being really excited for that, which is, you know, kids these days will never get to enjoy that. But um, tell me you're doing something in honor of or, or what's going on with that? Well, we were, um, you know, initially we were just going to try to get it released on vinyl. And granted, yeah. we've oh, been dude. on many, many major labels throughout our life. So mm-hmm. the logistics of that and the law and everything um, kind of hindered that a little bit. But I believe we have uh, um, the okay to do that now. So we're going to release that on vinyl for everybody. And then, Oh, my gosh. We're thinking about doing an acoustic version of the album, you know, no an acoustic version. I think it would be really cool. Um, so we're going to see where that goes. We have an upcoming tour that's starting around March that we're setting up right now. Um, uh-huh. And it's basically a a revised, a, a, you know, all the songs revised into like a broken down kind of thing. I don't know if you've ever seen, if anybody's ever seen the Cold Live concert that we did for the fans a while ago, but we had three songs, Lead, Black Sunday, and Cure My Tragedy. And what we did is we revisioned them with piano and strings and things like that. And um, they were just turned out to be the most beautiful songs on the through the concert. Mm-hmm. So when we did that, we were like, one day we need to redo this and we need to do a whole tour. And uh, our fans have always loved our acoustic versions of things. Um, so we're kind of in the middle of that right now. For, you know, making that happen to where we're, I think we're going to call the tour a different kind of tour. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an, an intimate night with cold yeah. um, and friends. So we're going to bring out some, uh, uh, you know, a couple of the bands for this and just have a nice, cool night, you know, and maybe there'll be some stories throughout the song, you know, explaining parts of the songs and things like that. So it'd be a different kind of tour. It won't That's be it. full metal or anything like that. It'd just be like, uh, a nice intimate night with us, man, and maybe people will be able to learn a little bit about the songs that they love so much. Yeah, absolutely, because you know, uh, loving them throughout all these years. And uh, another thing I wanted to to bring up in the mix of this, uh, and I thank you for mentioning the tour, and that was going to be my next question. But I either read or heard, which is you know, I've seen you guys a few times, but you and Sam have been to, you've been friends with him since you were twelve years old. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what, yeah. What I think, is, yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, it's just I was just like, man. I I, I know people obviously, but I, I'm not in that close proximity with them as far as a relationship. Uh, how are the dynamics after that much time? I mean, it's just. I mean, I know it's on point, but like, I don't have I don't have any friends I've had been my friend that long in my life. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think Sam. You know, Sam and I think my friend Glenn from back home are really the only real friends that I've kept uh, BW to. So. There's a, a few friends that I've had since I was a little kid that, you know, carried on with me through my life. And Sam, to me, man, was always like a brother, you know, yeah. he's a family member to me. So, and of course, everybody has their moments in those kind of situations, and we fall out sometimes, but then we understand we're family, and we, we're, we're great together. Um, mm-hmm. 
this past tour um, was just beautiful. You know, it was us back together, and it was really nice. Um, you know, it was funny when I was a little kid. I used to I used to be the coolest drummer in Jacksonville. You know, oh like sure, no doubt. If if you had Sam in your band, you were you were doing something right. Yeah. And so, um, but when he used to play in his grandma's in his mom's garage all the time, he lived like two blocks away from me. So I would hear drums from my house, kind of, because um, we just have the door. I'm just playing his drums, and I think we were 12 or 13 years old. And I used to get my skateboard and skate back and forth through the front of his house, hoping he'd be like, "Hey, what's up, man? What are you doing?" <laughs> you know? And uh, you know, one day I got a guitar, and I think the only song I knew, uh, I just got a guitar my next door neighbors gave it to me and the first song that i learned how to play was i will follow by you two um oh, because yeah. it was it was two strings basically so it was very easy um and i kind of learned that and i go well, i got a guitar and kind of started playing like that so it was it was awesome man you know and i've been with him ever since you know yeah um and and his drumming uh, a couple times i've seen is so unique because like being a drummer myself not not to sam's caliber but like he plays like sometimes you'll see his style is just so different like he's so still yet he's rocking in yeah. the same accord like i don't it's just a, it's kind of bizarre like i've seen him like he'll play like songs that like you want to be hammering through and he's he's hammering but he's like just kind of straight edge <laughs> He's not really yeah. moving a lot. <laughs> he's he's very powerful, man. He's he's yeah. like a monster behind the kit. And yeah. you know, I remember when Howard Benson talking about him and saying just great things, you know, and all, all the producers I've always loved Sam just because he's always on point. You know, yeah. he's a pro. He's a full yeah. pro and he's a beautiful man. So Yeah, you guys are never disappointed. Yeah, y'all put it you've put your all in every show I've ever seen. So and it's just and and I sure it's gonna it's, I'm I'm gonna catch the next one. I'm disappointed that I have a lineup like but I will be at the next one. Um, I would I would definitely make sure you come to the next one, man, because this tour I think is gonna be more special than other ones because of the way it is and the, the way it's designed. I think it's gonna be something really cool for cold fans, and if they miss it, it's gonna be one of those maybe once or twice in a lifetime kind of things. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's 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 great because it's more than a concert. It's it's an experience. I mean, you yeah. gotta. Yes, yeah. you got to be a part of it, and it's got to be fun to play. Cause definitely, yeah. It's definitely fun to, to enjoy in the crowd. So Totally, totally. Um, this this new album, let's, let's get in a little bit on this one. Uh, well, last year's uh, contribution, but it was 11 years before that. Um, let's, let's discuss it a little bit. Um, what songs are the fans gravitating to, and uh, which ones do you like the best on it? Um, well, I know that Shine comes over really well. On, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we play it live. That was a that was a big deal to everybody. Uh, it's a very emotional song for them when we start playing that. Um, and that was one of my favorites from Jump. Like I kind of wanted that song to be the one that we lead off with. Um, so the fans gravitated towards that one. They love Run uh, and um, the Devil We Know. I believe yeah, is another yeah. one, mm-hmm. one that got away. Um, Snowblind, of course, that was one that we had written along back in Super Fiction days. I had written that right before, right at the end of that record. It didn't make the record, so we played it live at a few shows for the Superfiction tour, but we were never able to record it until now. So, yeah, right. That, that, that one's like soundtrack worthy. They need to put that in the new Batman movie, I think. Yeah, it's a dope song. It's very moody, man. It's very. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe if Batman becomes a drug addict and tries to end his life, then I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I, I just mean like the sequences where he's like fighting yeah. the Riddler or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's got a nice I, pulse. <laughs> I still wish that would happen one day. I think when we design any of the songs, they all 
to me feel like there's a part of it where it could be in a superhero movie. So I've yeah. been I've been hoping for that my entire life. So one day I'm gonna write the right song to fit perfectly in the. Movie. Yeah, I mean, because you know, uh, you know, it feels just like your hero fell and lost his soul. What what a spine tingling line in a song. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you yeah, that 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 song right there saved me several times when I was upset in my life. So thank you for that. Beautifully written. I know I just quoted back to another album, but well, um, no, that's that's still it's, it means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I know, and and, I, and I've seen that it, it's consistent with you. Like they say, never meet your meet your heroes, and I, I haven't got to meet you yet. One day I will. But I, from what I've seen, you're consistent with fans, and that means a lot to the people like me because it's more than just the music. I know some people, they just want to do their art and let it go, but you got to realize, even though we don't know you, we feel like we kind of do a little bit. I think so. you guys do, though. I, if, I feel like you do. And I feel, yeah. you know, I think with cold music, it's definitely a real thing. Like, we, we draw from real experiences in our own lives, and we create the music. So when um, people connect to it, there's a reason for that. And they're connecting to our life experiences that they've gone through, too. So, they're able to, you know, each show we talk to the fans all the time. And sometimes I'll sit there and talk for an hour just to somebody about what they're going through in their lives and giving them some, maybe some advice or some hope and things that I've been through and how I dealt with it. Um, I think that's an integral part of what we are. And I think that um, I don't ever want that to go away right, at this point, you know, because Cold has been there for their fans the entire time. Um, I would hate for that to ever change. Yeah, I don't think it will. I think I yeah. think you guys have got got the army for life. I, I'm definitely uh, yeah. at least a lance corporal by now. Uh, I was a private. I think I got a little bit up in the up in the ranks. Um, nice. Anyway, nice. <laughs> anyway, one more question. Like I said, thank you so much for speaking with me. Just just a thrill. But um, we got to talk about Neil Pert. I mean, I know yeah. it's everywhere. What, what what are your thoughts on on his passing? Sixty seven uh, years old. Man, it was crazy. I was just talking to Nick and I texted Sam about it. Um, because I just a couple hours ago found out about it. Yeah. And, you know, we we heard that Rush, first of all, Rush, I was just telling Nick that, you know, I think Rush was maybe the first band that I loved. Um, I used to, on MTV a long time ago when I was a little kid, they used to play Tom, it was a live concert, and they'd play Tom Sawyer, Red Bruschetta, wow. and uh, these songs, and they'd play them on loop. There were a lot of videos on MTV back then. That's, I'm dating yeah. myself right now, but whatever. Sure, um, I remember the days when they played music on MTV. I'm with it. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. but they only had a few videos back then, so they repeated these all the time. So Tom Sawyer and um, the Red Bertetta song, Limelight, was like always played every couple hours. So um, it was such a big part of my, you know, my youth and growing up in the music. But that was the first band, because there was a lot of other bands on there, like Huey Lewis and the News and these poppier bands and uh, the Europe type bands were playing on there but when Rush came on and you know along with their album cover artwork for moving pictures it kind of brought me into the darker side of things sure um, and I know a lot of people might not think they're a darker band but to me Rush is pretty freaking dark and yeah. um you know and just their imagery and everything so yeah, I kind of got all wrapped up into that right before you know and then the cure came along and kind of went yeah. into a darker hole so, but yeah, it was such a big part of my life, man. And Neil Peart uh, has always been the best drummer alive to me, you know, yes. so mm -hmm. for him to, for him to go away, uh, it breaks my heart and I, I really, you know, RIP, man. Yeah, indeed. It's, it's, it's wild because it's like, you know, we, we're always used to having him there. And, and even though, 
it, it hits you like a ton of bricks. I mean, like he's 67. You're like, man, you know, I'm never going to get to go see yeah. a performance again. You know, that's just what it is. Yeah. I remember years ago, me and Terry, uh, uh, our old guitarist brought Sierra Swan, the girl that sings on our records. We were in California, and she had never been to a Rush concert or ever really uh-huh. got into it. And I was like, you got to come. And I think we went out to uh, Ontario or Anaheim to see the concert. And yeah. it was a beautiful night, and we got to go on stage and uh, see him from side to stage. And I remember the funniest thing. When we walked up on the security guard that got us on there. He was a good friend of ours. He was like, man, I don't know if you guys are going to want to go up there. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> We're not going to want to go up on the side stage for us. So we start walking up this long, dark path of curtains, and there is no nobody in there. Normally when you're backstage, you know, there's a few people here, a few people there. There's nobody down this corridor of dark black curtains. So we're walking up and I'm like, oh, this is weird. There's nobody here. So we get up <laughs> on the side of the stage and no one was on the side of the stage except for a guitar tech uh, and one more person. Wow. And then we realized we were like, oh my God, they're all in in-ears. Like they all have in-ears on. So we couldn't hear from the side of the stage, what was really happening? Oh my you know, gosh! On yeah. the thing, so we were like, we've taken that time and gone up there, and we were so excited to get there, and then we got there, and we were like, no! So we all took <laughs> off running back out, and we got our good seats, and we watched the great show. But yeah, that was kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you know, another uh, reference with Rush is our guitarist Nick Coyle. Um, on one of his albums, he Alex Lyson had produced one of the records. So That's groovy, man. A little thing with them too. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a dark day with music with Neil for passes for sure. Yeah, it, it was a dark. It was. Uh, it's a. It's a crazy thing. I still haven't completely wrapped my mind around it. Like I said, but uh, mm-hmm. you're the first, uh, you know, heavy hitter I've talked to about it. Um, I've had some people yeah. text me and everything. They're like. Neil Peart's past, and at first, of course, I had to see it for myself. I was like, man, that's just yeah. bizarre. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny and not funny. I I saw it on uh, Twitter. And then uh-huh. I look out, look outside, and it's pouring down rain. And I go, well, that's poetic. Yes, you know, absolutely. Just, that, that, that fits. I go, that makes sense. What a fun adventure and in interviewing this was this week. Special thanks to guests Big Smo, Scooter Ward, and Greg Hall for lending their talents and their thoughts. Uh, once again, I wanted to thank all the listeners because uh, without you, there's no uh, there's no podcast. So thank you very much. I enjoy uh, doing this little show; it means a lot to me. It keeps my brain rolling, uh, my mind occupied, and it is truly a thrill. And I take it uh, very seriously. Um, getting to talk to uh, people that I enjoy uh, their stories, and uh, hopefully you enjoy them as well. And if you know anybody that uh, you think would be a good guest, Josh Belcher at Hotmail.com is how you get a hold of me. And remember, as always, going into this new year and beyond, I love you for you and where you're at in life. So take care of each other. May Neil Pert rest in peace, and we will catch you later on down the line. Okay, take care, everybody.